We're talking today about encryption. We're talking with Matt Spear of M&T Bank. Matt, thanks so much for joining me. Oh, thanks very much for having me, Tom. Matt, how important is encryption to banking institutions in general and to yours in particular these days? We hear an awful lot about it. Well, certainly we do, and I think that you know there's been a, a couple of regulatory changes in the last few years that really have dro- driven the adoption of encryption. Certainly, you know encryption is not new. However, it uh, you know the the solutions around encryption were very much point solutions and and didn't look at a holistic environment. And so, what we've seen with the FFIC changing their rules around. Uh, you know, basically coming up with the only national notification rule around um, security breaches. That the, the the one caveat to that is, if you feel as an institution that your encryption um, methodology for a lost item, um, you know, mitigated that risk, you don't have to get in the notification business. You know, banking is a trust relationship, and so you do not want to be on the front pages of a newspaper. Uh, that you lost 10,000 customer records on a laptop that was stolen. So I think it's been the opportunity that, you know, the, uh, the solutions become more holistic overall. And as well as we want to do everything that we can to protect customer information from falling into the wrong hands. And, uh, encryption is a, you know, key driver in allowing that to occur. So what are some of the trends that you're seeing in banking? What are institutions choosing to encrypt? Well, uh, when you look at I think that bank institutions as a whole have gotten a lot smarter around uh, being able to lay out uh, a data classification methodology that makes sense and is workable. So what, you know, what are the key data elements that you need to protect under the law as well as if you are um, a credit card, you know, processor or provider or issuer, uh, that you also have to, you've got PCI requirements. And so being able to map those out of where do they exist and how are they transported in my environment. And then really taking the time to nail down, okay, these are the types of environments I have to encrypt or the transport mechanisms. Uh, I think one of the ones that was overlooked is, you know, email has become so ubiquitous over the years that everyone gets used to operating um, as, you know, emailing spreadsheets around that may or may not have non-public personal information in it and making sure that you have encryption mechanisms for those as well. So I think we're all spending a lot more uh, time, effort, and money in uh, encrypting anything that's going to leave our environment so that we have a high level of assurance that if it's, um, you know, lost in transport, that uh, we are not going to have to turn around and start notifying customers that, uh, sorry, we, we managed to lose your uh, financial information. Exactly. So give us an example, Matt. What would be a, an area where you would make the decision to encrypt or not? Well, certainly any time, uh, you know, let's take backup tapes as an example. So we all do it. Uh, we, we back up our systems and then we use a, a service like an Iron Mountain or uh, others to, you know, safeguard those tapes off-site so that if something happens to one of our facilities, we can at least get it to data and rebuild our systems and, um, you know, customer information files. 
but every time that leaves your doorway, you are no longer in control of that. So, uh, you know, prime candidate and a lot of us have, have done is the ability to encrypt those tapes uh, before they actually leave the environment. And then, of course, be able to decrypt them when they come back in. Sure. Matt, you've got a webinar coming up on this topic. What are the key issues that you're tackling in that webinar? Well, what I wanted to do uh, within that is, you know, build, you know, lay out a, a framework that allows an institution to build that foundation of policy, you know, policy and process around uh, encryption, where it's appropriate, layer through what what are my ways of being able to segment data and then what are the solutions that uh, are possible out there and some of the pitfalls of going with point solutions um, and not looking at it holistically because where you will where you'll find one piece of you know uh, data that you need to encrypt you're going to find that same piece in in a lot of other spots that you weren't expecting as you're you know, cataloging where does my data reside. Now, Matt, as you know, with uh, the Heartland payment systems breach, encryption has come up in conversations a whole lot more. What would you advise institutions that are starting to take a, a more serious look at encryption now? Where should they start? Well, I think number one is to, you know, do a risk ranking of the types of data you have in your environment, where you believe that it occurs, and then really prioritize what you need to go after based upon what's the the potential risk to my organization. So, you know, where you have high concentrations of data uh, and, you know, private or confidential data that you, you know, you need to uh, protect that will get you in trouble with the regulators, get you in trouble with your customers, you want to have to go after those first. And, you know, go for that low-hanging fruit. And then build upon the process that you build uh, to go through and continue to kind of prune the tree back uh, in and get um, a, a process to go through that every time you're bringing in a new system, you're applying consistent encryption standards uh, to that overall framework. That's well said, Matt. I appreciate your time and your insights today. Thanks very much, Tom. Appreciate it. We've been talking about encryption with Matt Spear of M&T Bank. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tom Field. Thank you very much.